God wants you to experience the life that He designed. We can't allow life to kill the dream that we dream. Jesus said, I have come that they might have life and have it more abundantly. You will look back on your life and you'll say, man, life is good. The Word of God brings the abundant life into focus and within your grasp. As you listen, open your heart and discover life. Good to see you all. What a sight for sore eyes. Is that, I don't know what that means. My eyes aren't sore, but I don't know what that means. But it's really great to be here with you. My wife and I have been gone for a few weeks, and so this is our first Sunday back. And uh, we, uh, of course, we're Christians, so we go to church on Sunday. So we've been visiting a lot of churches where we were because we're Christians and we go to church on Sunday. And uh, so because that's what Christians do. Christians go to church on Sunday. And so we went to church on Sunday. Anyways, and so it's good to be back. And uh, we uh, had some pretty wild experiences in some churches. And But I tell you, coming here... It's so uh, wonderful to feel God's presence when we were singing. I just felt really God come into this place, and I'm pretty, really excited about being back. And uh, so I get the great opportunity to receive the offering. And so uh, if the ushers, if you're giving cash, we'd like a receipt for your giving. Ushers, just put your, uh, you put your hands up. Not the ushers put their hands up. You put your hands up. You like a receipt. They'll give you an envelope. You can make your checks out to Destiny Church. And so praise God for that. Amen. So uh, just a couple uh, uh, announcements. Uh, there's a couple guys meeting. One is Tuesday morning at the Slack shop in, raise your hand, Tom, the Slack shop in uh, uh, Brandon. And the other one is, that's on Tuesday morning at 6.20. Wow, early. And the other one is the guys meet at the, with Josh Balls at the Destiny Fitness right up on the interstate here. And that's Monday night at 6.30. And uh, Lady Shar Slack has, is starting a Bible study this Wednesday at noon. Uh, Chip Ingram at her home, The Invisible War. Uh, and that isn't a war between you and your husband, by the way. Uh, it's not this week? Next week. Okay. I guess child care will be provided. So, Shar, why don't you raise your hand? So, if you're interested in going to that, please check with them. And then also on Wednesday night, we have our meeting here on Wednesday night. So, you're all invited to that. Freedom Series. Praise God. So let's take our offering in our hand. Let's pray over it. Lord, thank you that we can give. So grateful for all that you've done for us. We praise you for what you're going to do in our lives and as we go forward in Jesus' name. Amen. Go ahead, man. You can pass the offering buckets. You know, my wife and I, we were in Florida for a few weeks and we drove back. We flew there, drove back. My dad has a home there. And he had a car there, so we drove the car back. And uh, so it's been sitting there for years, and it made it back all right, praise God. But we stopped at a couple places. We stopped at Noah's Ark. How many ever heard of Noah's Ark? So there's a place in Kentucky where a guy, they actually built an ark. And so there's a picture. Why don't you dim the lights just for a second? There's a picture of me. You see how, you see me? I got to point me out. There, that's me right there. That's me, and that's just the front of the ark. And the ark was built to uh, the uh, measurements that were laid out in the Bible. That's just the front of it. And they built um, those, two, those brown things around it are just ways you can access the different floors. And so it's, uh, I think it's like 450 feet long or something like that. And it's five floors inside. It's gigantic. And they show you how they, they of course, they're guessing how they... Um, how they caged all the animals, 
and how they had all this uh, food for all the animals and how they had a, an irrigation system inside the ark for the watering of all the animals. And, and then also they had a way to remove all the waste of all the animals. So you can imagine that was quite a feat. And uh, so they just, they figured out from uh, uh, technology that they've uncovered back in that day, they, they figured out that this must be the way they did it. And so it's very ingenious. And um, it's, uh, it takes quite a while to go through there and read everything they say. And we did the best we could. But uh, I would just recommend if anybody wanted to go to Kentucky and uh, visit Daniel Boone in the Ark, this is an awesome thing. We also went to the Creation Museum, which was a, also a great place. But those are some of the things that we did. Just thought I'd give you a little update on that. But it's great to be back. It really is. It's awesome. It's awesome to see you all and uh, see your smiling face. I really missed you. I don't know if you missed me, but I missed you. And uh, we really missed this church. And I don't just say that because I was, I'm the pastor of the church, but we really missed it. I really felt God here this morning. I'm just excited about that. I love to feel God's presence. It's wonderful. I, feel, I love to feel God's presence and be undone. You know, just all the defenses drop, and all of a sudden I start to see clearly, and that's amazing. And so I, um, I don't know, this is probably not the greatest sermon to come back to, but um, I, I was thinking about this subject because I felt like God put this on my heart. In the first week of January, I preached on first love. How many remember that sermon, first love? You've left your first love. And so I want to continue with that, that theme, first love, but I titled this message, The Money Test. First love, the money test. And so I'm going to do the forbidden thing. I'm going to talk about money this morning. Yeah, he's actually going to do it. And, uh, and here's the good news is you might think, well, the church is struggling financially. That's why you're doing this. But actually, the church is doing better than it's done in decades. And so the church is actually financially doing really good. And so this is not a mode. I'm not mo. I'm not doing this because, and I took the offering already because I don't want you to think I want to get a good offering out of this sermon. But I'm doing this really because I want you to be blessed. And thank you for your enthusiasm. But that's really my motive. Because if you gave nothing in this offering this morning or gave nothing, we'd still be doing fine. So there's not a financial problem that we're having. That's not the motivation. In fact, when we have financial tight times, uh, I stay away from the subject of money because I feel like my motive is not right. And I want my motive to always be right in talking about this subject. You know, Paul said in Philippians, he said um, in Philippians 4, verse 17 and 18, I mentioned this not because I'm requesting a gift, but so that the fruit of your generosity may become, uh, may bring you an abundant reward. The fruit of your generosity may bring you an abundant reward. Uh, I now have all I need, more than enough. I'm abundantly satisfied, for I have received from what you sent from Ephrodite and viewed it as a sweet sacrifice, perfumed with the fragrance of your faithfulness, which is so pleasing to God. So he's saying that I'm not seeking a gift. That's not my motive in saying this. But he says, I'm seeking something for you. I'm seeking that you would have a benefit. And that's how I feel this morning. I feel like I'm seeking for you to have a benefit in this and that it's not just something that we need money because right now we're doing really good. But if you're going to be involved, I always think about this. I'm, I'm interested to know about things that I'm going to be involved in. 
I'm interested in knowing about things that I'm going to be involved in. And I'm going to be involved in giving. And I have been for 50 years. I've been a Christian for 50 years. And so because of that, I want to know something about it. I want to know what, what are my requirements are. I want to know what, what God says about it. I want to have a kingdom mentality. You know, this morning when I was praying when I got up, I, um, I was thinking about this verse in Ephesians where it says that we've been uh, raised up and seated in heavenly places in Christ. How many know that verse? Ephesians chapter 1. And that says that we are blessed with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places in Christ. And so if I put a chair up here, and uh, we call this chair Christ. What happened when you got saved, you got you're seated there in Christ in heavenly places, uh, far above all principalities and powers, and that you are blessed with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places. Every spiritual blessing that there are are potentially yours. But here's the problem is a lot of times we're seated there in Christ in heavenly places, but our thinking is not in Christ in heavenly places. I heard this preacher tell the story. He said he was in desperate need of financial tr finances. And he says a miracle happened. He said somebody gave him a check for $30,000. Everybody say, wow. wow. And so he said he found himself, after he got that check, he said he found himself every time when he found out who gave him the check, he found himself avoiding that person. He said that you know, like one time it got so bad that he had to go to the bathroom real bad. He went into the bathroom and the guy was in there and he turned around and went out. Even though he had to go really bad, he turned around and he saw he'd avoid that person. He goes, I did it almost unconsciously. I avoided that person. And so finally he said, Lord, what is wrong with me? And the Lord spoke to him and says, you don't think you deserve that $30,000 check. And you think that if that guy got to know you, he'd re realize what a no-class person you are, and he would regret that he ever gave you the money. That's why you unconsciously avoid him, because you don't believe that you're worthy of it, because you don't see yourself in Christ. How many know this, that finances, money, is not a natural blessing? It manifests itself that way, but it's actually spiritual. Money is spiritual. Whether you realize it or not, money is spiritual. It is a tremendous indicator of where you're at spiritually. See, you know, they always say there's three subjects. I can't remember the third one that you never talk about in church because it gets real quiet. One is kids and their behavior. One is money. And I think that was the third one, marriage. Maybe it's marriage. I don't know. But, but anyway, so I'm, I'm talking about one of those subjects you're forbidden to talk about. I'm just telling you that right now. But I just really want you to know what the Bible says about it. And I hear so many extreme things where people say, if you don't give, you're not saved and stuff like that. That is all baloney. The thing, the thing that, that gets you into right standing with God is, is receiving Christ into your life. But there's a lot of things the Bible says about money. In fact, I heard this, and I don't know if it's true. I've never done the math. But they say that the Bible says more about money than any other subject. Seems hard to believe, doesn't it? But there are a lot of verses about money. I mean, the parables that Jesus taught were about money, a lot of them, and, uh, and there's a lot of verses on it. And so I think we should look at it and find out, because it's not a minor part of our life. Money is not a minor part. It's actually a major part of our lives. So should it, if something is a major part of our life and Jesus is first in our life, shouldn't Jesus have something to say about the, a major part of your life? I mean, shouldn't he? I would say so. He would, he would have something to say about a major part of 
In fact, some people argue that what your attitude about money is the greatest indicator of where you're at spiritually. Your attitude about money. That's why, you know, uh, you know like when, when you talk about money in church, a lot of times there's a quietness that goes over the crowd. And uh, have you ever been to a church where they say, we're going to receive an offering? Everybody starts clapping. You're like, what the, what? <laughs> what's going on in this place? Everybody, everybody have a lobotomy or what? You know, why are they all clapping? But actually, if you look at it from a kingdom perspective, that's a good response because the Bible says God loves a cheerful giver. In fact, the Greek word cheerful is, is a Greek word. It means hilarious. God loves a hilarious giver. Amen. Amen. <laughs> you know, one time years ago, here's a bad story, but, you know, before I got saved, this is B.C., um, we, uh, I, was, I, was with my, I was at my uncle's place in North Dakota, and I had to actually make, make restitution for this. But there was a guy, uh, we, we were walking through town one day, and we had no, at night, and it was, we had no good intentions. And uh, we saw this guy who owned this store, sports show, store, in town, he was he was sitting by a side door on a chair, and so he said, "Hey!" And he goes, "Hey!" And so we knew he was drunk, and so he had a drinking problem. So we went to him, "Hey, how's it going?" Oh, "Man, you guys are great guys." You know, he says all this stuff. And we said, "Hey, can we have some stuff out of your store?" "Go ahead, take anything you want." So we we went in there, we're grabbing stuff. How about this? Can I take it? "Go ahead, take it." And he's the owner of the store. And so we're all we're pillaging the place, taking advantage of the fact that he's under the influence. You know, the Bible says, don't be drunk with wine, where it is excess, but be filled with the Spirit. It's interesting that there's a similarity between drunk people and people that are full of the Spirit. They, they, uh, I, I went through a list one time of all the things that drunk people how drunk people act and how they process things and how people that are filled with the Spirit, how they act and how they process things. Go ahead. Praise God. Hallelujah. <laughs> Carefree. Yeah, it's going to work out. Everything is going to work out. That's how people that either you're either drunk or you're full of God. Right. And so, you know, it's interesting. You know, people like to separate those two things. Money's um, over here. God and the spiritual things are over here. And we don't put those together, but they're actually joined together. You know, um, it's interesting. Um, let me just jump around in my notes. You guys mind if I just jump around a little bit? I've been preached for a month, so I'm going to be really like, what am I doing up here? It might get really crazy in here in a little bit here. I don't know. But, so, but here's an interesting verse. Uh, look at Luke chapter 16. Uh, I remember, and I think if you've, if you've been here to church, you probably heard me tell this story because I think it's so profound. Uh, I had a friend uh, who was a preacher, and he was actually a pretty, pretty good preacher. He was being used by God. And all of a sudden, his ministry came to a screeching halt. And he couldn't, get, he couldn't even get a, a, even a nursing home gig. I mean, it was really, I mean, it was rough. I mean, it was, it was things that shut down. And so I was trying to help him. I, I tried to encourage him. Come on, you know, you're called of God. You're whatever. And he go, yeah, yeah, but nothing's happening spiritually. And so we had a, a preacher come to church one time. Uh, it was Kevin Leal. You probably heard me, maybe heard me tell the story. And so Kevin has a way of being, he's a prophetic guy. And so I thought maybe he could help this preacher and maybe get some insight about him. 
And so we all went out to eat, the three of us. And I told Kevin about him. And, and so Kevin, we're sitting there talking. And we're having a great time. You know, Kevin is kind of a social person. And we're, so we're having this great conversation. We're laughing and talking about stuff. It's really great. And uh, all of a sudden, in the middle of this jovialty and this happiness, is that how you say jovialty? Sounds like overty, but jovialness. Jovial, we're all jovial. And uh, all of a sudden, Kevin looks at this guy and goes, who told you, I mean, just, this is so blunt. Who told you you didn't have to pay your tithes? And I'm like, what? <laughs> he said, who told you you didn't have to pay your tithes? He's looking at this guy. And the guy, the guy starts stammering, and, and I'm going, you don't pay your tithes? I'm just like, what? That's like Christianity 101. That's like kindergarten stuff. You don't pay your, I'm looking at him, you don't pay, I, I, didn't, I didn't say anything because Kevin was beating him up bad enough, but... And so afterwards, I, we got in the car, and I, 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 it's just Kevin and I, I'm driving, and I'm going, well, that turned out less a, a blessing than I thought it would turn out. And he goes, well, I asked the Lord why you're not using this guy. And God said to me, God said to me, I fired him because he doesn't pay his tithes. And I said, what? And he said, in Luke chapter 16, look at this verse. It says, the one who manages this little... The little he has been given with faithfulness and integrity will be promoted and trusted with greater responsibilities. So if you read the context here, actually he's talking about money. But those who cheat with the little they have been given will not be considered trustworthy to receive more. Notice he says, if you don't manage little, because a lot of times what people say is right now I can't tithe or I can't give because I'm really under it. But the thing about it is, and then they say, when I get more and it loosens up, then I'll be more apt to give. But the problem is, with where you are at right now financially, if you're not faithful, it doesn't matter how much money you get, you won't be. Thank you for your enthusiasm. That's what this verse is saying. If you're not faithful in little, in other words, if, you, if, you're, if you're selling lemonade at a stand, you're making $5 a month, whatever, and you're not paying tithe, which is 50 cents, you're not paying tithe on that. If you get, uh, if you're a corporate executive CEO making a million dollars a year, you won't be paying tithe on that either. Because it's not the amount that you have, it is, it is the attitude of heart that you have toward it. That's the facts, my friend. And then he says this, but those who cheat the little, okay, uh, if you have not handled the riches of this world with integrity, why should you be trusted with the eternal treasures of the spiritual world? So in other words, he says, if you're not handling money right, who is going to give you true riches, the spiritual riches? Who's going to give you that? And that's what Kevin said when he's talking about this guy. He said, this guy has not been handling natural money right. And so God says, I'm not giving you spiritual riches. I'm not going to give you the true riches. If you can't handle natural riches right, I'm not going to give you the true riches. And so God said, you're fired. And this guy's tried many times to, to get his ministry going. It's never really taken off or done anything spiritually because he, he has never got a revelation that you have to handle money properly because it's a test. You know, the Bible tells us that God tells us to te test him when it comes to tithing. But do you know that money is a test? Money is a test. Here, let me just say this to you. The, the, 
the number 10 in the Bible is a number that's used for testing. Tithe means a tenth. The number 10 in the Bible is a number that's used for testing. How many plagues did was there in Egypt during the time of uh, Pharaoh? Anybody remember? 10, right. It's going to be a pretty easy test here because all the answers, all the answers are going to be 10, right? How many commandments are there? Amen. 10. How many times did God test Israel in the wilderness? How many times did, did Jacob's heart get tested? And how many times did Laban change his wages? 10. That's right. How many days was Daniel tested in Daniel chapter 1? 10 days. That's right. How many, how many virgins were there in the Bible? 10. All right. So the number 10 is a, is a number that deals with testing. And so tithing is a tenth. It's 10. It's a test. Every time you get paid, let me just say this to you. I know I'm going to sound a little bit legalistic, but this is what I do. And I wouldn't tell you to do anything that I wouldn't do. But um, every time you get paid, you're under a test. And the test is this. Are you, going to, are you going to honor God with what he has given to you? Are you going to acknowledge that God is the one that's given you this? Or are you going to acknowledge or honor somebody else? And that's a test. And God sees what we do with our money. And based on that, he gives you either more or less based on that. If you're not faithful in a little bit, you won't be faithful in much. And so God's not going to give you much. And I want you to have a lot. Now, some people think that having a lot is evil. It's not. It's not evil. You know, my dad was raised, my dad's in heaven right now, but my dad was raised in extreme poverty. His family, my grandpa was, uh, had, had problems with drinking. He didn't drink all the time, but he would, what do they call that, fall off the wagon or fall on the wagon? Or He had something to do with the wagon that he either fell on or fell off. But, uh, and he would go like for a month or two and he'd be on a, on a, what do they call them, benders or whatever. And so that caused the family finances to be really, uh, really hindered or hurt. And so my dad grew up in object poverty. He married my mom, and uh, and he she after after she was backslid when they got married, and then she got right with God again, and then she started going to church because they had they had got one kid and and they wanted to go to church. Mom, my mom wanted to go to church, so my dad didn't want to go to church. Didn't want to be a Christian because his mindset was all Christians are are poor. If you're a Christian. Christian equals poor. And he didn't want to be poor. He'd been poor all of his life, and it wasn't that great. And so he didn't want to be poor. And so it was a tremendous struggle because of that one thought, because he didn't want to be poor. And so finally, he gave in, committed his life to Christ. He went to a full gospel businessman meeting, and the guy got up and read some verses out of the New Testament that talk about prosperity. Beloved, I pray above all things, thou mayest prosper and be in health. And he had never heard that before, ever. Nobody ever told him, even though it was in the Bible, that Jesus became poor, that we might become rich, that we through his poverty might become rich, 2 Corinthians chapter 8. And he thought, what? That's in the Bible? How many know sometimes you can take a verse or two verses, take them out of the context, and you can build a thought or a thinking on that. But if you have other verses that contradict what you're saying, or what you're thinking, you've got to change what you're thinking. You know, years ago, 
I had this, I, this is like 30 years ago. You probably maybe have heard me talk about this. But 30 years ago, I struggled with this one thing because on one hand, I'd hear people preach that poverty is godly. The more poor you are, the more godly you are. And people would take vows of poverty. And, and then I hear other people say, no, God wants to prosper you. And so I'd go back and forth. And so I started to take, I thought, well, one way to find out is to read scripture. So I looked up every verse in the Bible on money. And I went through them. I'd write them down. I'd look at them. And I could see, you know, the Bible warns about, you know, the love of money is the root of all sorts of evil. And so I was looking at all these verses. And so finally I said, God, I don't get it. Is it right? I mean, is rich be right or wrong? Is it wrong to be rich or is it right to be rich? What is it? And I sat there, got real quiet. And all of a sudden the Lord said, I heard this voice inside say, what is rich? I go, I don't know. I think it's, if you have a lot of money, I think that's rich. And then I, I got back to my praying, whatever. All of a sudden this question came, what's a lot of money? And I said, well, it's a lot more money than I have. I can tell you that right now. Because <laughs> right now I don't got a lot of money. The most valuable thing in my life is a, a olive green refrigerator. I'm not kidding you either. All our furniture was stapled together. I mean, it was, it was ugly. Our furniture was, was ugly. People walk in and say, oh, no, no, no. I mean, that's our furniture. That was pretty much everything. We didn't even have a car. The car we had was owned by the church. And we had nothing. We had some clothes and that was it. But we had that olive green refrigerator. I'd go and look at it. I'd go, Ben, this thing is really nice. And so I said, he said, what is rich or what is a lot of money? And I said, well, a lot more than I have. And then it's like the Lord began to give me numbers. Like, well, is 10,000 a lot of money? I said, I don't think so. 10,000, that's not a lot of money. I mean, it's more money than I have, but not a lot. How about 100,000? Well, you're getting up there now, 100,000. So at what point, this is the voice said to me, at what point do you cross over and now you've got a lot of money and now you are rich and woe unto you? And I said, I don't know what the point is. Is it anywhere in the Bible stated that when you cross this point, that now you have a lot of money, now you are rich and woe unto you? At what point is it specifically, because whatever point it is, I'm going up to it and I'm not crossing it. If it's a million dollars, I'll go up to $999,999.99, but I'm not crossing over because I don't want to be woe unto you. And all of a sudden, it hit me. It's not how much you have, it's how much has you. Yeah, say that again, yeah. Yeah. It's not how much you have. See, Jesus said in Matthew 6, remember that verse? When he said, thank you, sister, in the front row. Look at Matthew 6, verse 24. It says, how could you worship two gods at the same time? You will have to hate the one and love the other or be devoted to the one despised, though you cannot worship the true God while enslaved to the God of mammon. He said this, he said, if you love money, if you love money, and we know that none of us here in this place love money. Right? None of us. We're, I'm talking about wicked people out there. I'm not talking about anybody here that loves money. We don't, none of us love money. 
right? But he says that if you love money, you will actually despise God and all his commandments and the teaching, his teaching about money. What he says about money, you'll despise it. But if you love God, what you'll look at is you'll look at money as a servant. It's neutral. Money is neutral. It's neither good nor bad. It's our attitude toward it. And our attitude toward money is most revealed in whether or not we, are, we can give it away. I'm telling you, that's the truth, I'm telling you. Because money's neutral. The sin is not how much you have, it's the attitude that you have toward it. If God is your master, then money is your servant. If money is your master, then money is your servant. Or money is your master. If, let me try it one more time. Then you are its servant. Let me try it one more time. If money is your master, then you are its servant. That means if you lose some of it or the thought of giving some of it away is strikes sorrow in your heart. But actually money is, like I said, is very spiritual. So let me just conclude here. I guess that time went pretty fast. Did it go fast for you guys? Or is this brutal? This is brutal. <laughs> Shouldn't be. It should be good. So next Sunday when I go, we're going to receive an offering. Yay! I can't whistle. My mouth is so dry, I can't whistle. Well, you're, you're probably sitting there going, well, I'm not doing that. I'll tell you that right now. I'm not crazy. But see, it always requires faith. So here, here's the thing. The starting point with, with money or giving is tithing. Amen. Tithing. And tithing is, the word tithe means a 10% of your income. And so it, and it's always first in Scripture. I don't know if we'll have time to look at all the Scriptures, but it's always first. Give God the first. In fact, God can't be first in your life, in your, in your living, if God's not first in your giving. See, what most people do is they pay all their bills, pay all this other stuff, if they have any left over, they're going to give some to God. But God says, no, no, I'm going to be first. That means when you get your paycheck, I'm the, th I'm the one you pay first. And that takes faith because how, how do I know for sure I'm going to have enough left over? Well, you're going to have to trust God. But I want to pay God first because God's first in my life. Amen? Amen. Amen. So it's actually a test. Am I trusting God? Am I putting God first in my life? Or am I, am I is, is God the one that I'm going to give some when I get around to it? You know, it's interesting. You know, when I, I was talking about my dad earlier, he became a successful businessman. I had no idea how much my dad gave until I, until toward the end of his life, I had to take over his book work. And so I started looking at some of his giving. I was shocked at how much this guy gave. I was blown away. I knew he was generous because I'd hear testimonies all the time. You know, he'd put people through college, foreigners that came over here, you know, poor, poor people. He'd put them through college, see that they got an education. And, uh, you know, we were sitting in a church one time. Nice chairs. I thought, well, there's nice chairs. Pastor said, your dad bought all these chairs. I go, oh, really? And uh, just all kinds of things like that. I ran into the director of Teen Challenge. And he said, your dad has meant so much to us. He has given beyond anything we could imagine. I went, oh. 
I mean, just gave ferociously. But he had to come to the point where he believed that it was God's will for him to prosper and increase. And you have to believe that also. You know, let me close with this famous verse about tithing. It's found in Malachi chapter 3. Let's read it. I'll read it. You can listen. Ever since the time of your ancestors, you have turned away from my decrees. This is God speaking. And have not kept them. Return to me and I'll return to you, says the Lord Almighty. So he says, he's talking about they had, they were backslid or they had departed from the Lord. They had departed from the Lord. And he said, return to me, come back to me. And I'll, I'll return to you, says the Lord. So this is a spiritual condition. This is not something natural, spiritual. They, they were backslid or they had departed from the Lord. But you ask, how are we to return? He's going, they're like, what do you mean return to you? How, how are we to return? Will a mortal man rob God? Yet you robbed me, but you ask, how did we rob you in tithes and offerings? So he said the, re, the way to return is tithes and offerings. That's the way to return. This people, they were, he said, you departed from me because you stopped tithing. You stopped giving. He said, now I want you to come back. They said, how are we going to come back? What do you mean come back? In what way? Tithes and offerings. Then he says, you're, uh, you are under a curse, your whole nation, because you're robbing me. Notice he uses the term robbing me. If you take what belongs to someone else, that's robbing that person. And the Bible says the tithe belongs to God. And if you take what is a tithe and you give it to something else, God says, you're robbing me. And you're departing from me. And he goes, I want you to return to me. That's what he says. Amen. See, if you don't get this right, if we don't get this right, and I don't want to, I'm not trying to put a heavy burden on you. Do this or else. I'm not trying to do that. I'm just trying to say that this is something, I'm just giving you God's perspective on it. Amen. See, bring the whole tithe into the storehouse that it may be food in my house. And then he says this, test me in this says the Lord Almighty, and see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour you out a blessing until there's not room enough to receive it. And so he's saying that there is a blessing in this. You know, some people say, well, we don't give with the idea to, to get. Well, I understand that we're not to have that motive, but how many know the Bible gives you at least an expectancy that when you do give, you're going to receive? I mean, in fact, every time the Bible talks about giving, it usually accompanies with that some way that you're going to receive. And so that creates an expectation in me. I'm giving. Maybe my motive is not to receive, but I'm expecting to receive. Because I don't know about you. We live in a world that is going to take, tries to take everything we got away and then kick us in the, pan, in the hind end while we're walking away, Right. And we need, we need God's blessing upon our lives. Isn't that true? And so this is the starting point, and tithing is a test. Now, I'm, I'm going to close with that, and I'm not taking an offering after this, but because I don't think that it's so much a, a um, I just think it's a heart thing. And so if you say, well, I, I just, I'm afraid, and I understand that, because, you know, I, like I've been a Christian for 50 years, and almost all that time I've tithed, there's a few months that 
somebody talked me out of tithing when I was a first Christian, and then I saw some more scripture on it, and I, I started tithing again. So 49 and a half years of those, of those years, I've tithed. And there are times that it was like, I can't afford to tithe now. I can't afford it. But we don't know how to, we're going to make ends meet. I don't know if you've ever been there. But we were there. But I said, well, if, if God, it's a matter of, is God going to be first in my life? If God's first in my life, he's got to be first in my finances. If he's not first in my finances, he's not first in my life. If he's not first, if, he's, if he can't be first in my living, if he's not first in my giving. Thank you for those three amens. Amen. Praise God. But it's absolutely true. It's an indicator of where you're at spiritually. Because it takes faith, takes faith. I, I see these verses in the Bible and I believe that they're true. And so I'm going to act on them. And that takes faith. Amen. I'm going to say, I'm going to open the windows of heaven. And I think sometimes, you know, we're seated here on that chair and we have angels around us because the Bible says we do. And they're waiting. The Bible says that they, they hearken to the command of the Lord. And they're waiting for us to believe the right thing, do the right thing, and say the right thing. And if we do the right thing, believe the right thing, do the right thing, say the right thing, they are dispatched to work on our behalf. Amen? Let's all stand together as the worship team comes. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. I don't know. I don't know if that, I hope that came across in not a harsh condemning way, because I didn't mean it to be that way. But I want you to understand that this is not an issue about are you saved or are you not saved? That's not the issue. That's not what this is. What this is, is an issue of where is your faith? Where is your faith at? Where is your expectancy? And is, if God is going to release resources into your life, because I, I see this about, you know, sometimes I see this on some of you here that God wants to release a, a lot of resources. And you are in a situation where God could do it. All he'd have to do is just breathe on your life. But finances are a test. Finances are a test. Money is a test. You know, when I was first saved, you might have heard me tell this story. I was, I was saved like within the first year. And um, I attended a Bible college in, in North Central. We used to call it North Central Bridal College. It's actually where I met my beautiful wife. And, uh, but it, now it's just called North Central. It's right downtown Minneapolis. But what happened was they wanted to build a new chapel. And so they, uh, the president came up, got up, and he said, we're going to receive an offering for the new chapel. And I don't know what happened. He talked about giving and talked about money. And there's something happened in that room. The kids started, they went crazy. They started giving their cars away. They started giving. You'd go to church. They had night after night revival meetings. You go there and it looked like a, a, a what do you call those, a garage sale. It looked like a garage sale. People's furniture, bicycles, motorcycles, all, all over in this chapel. And it's like, what is, what is going on here? Everybody's giving 
all their stuff away. Everybody's giving all of it away. You know the next thing that happened? They had a revival, a spiritual revival that was so powerful. It was the first time I'd ever seen someone ever heard the term slain in the spirit. It was the first time when that happened, the next thing that happened was the spiritual revival broke out. It was the first time I'd seen anybody slain in the spirit. And people were, they'd have these services. People, you hear, tung, tung. You look around, people are falling, just, they're falling everywhere. I saw this one lady, she was standing on this platform like this, and there was no, nothing there. It was like two and a half feet high or whatever. And she was there worshiping. She fell over and she hit the floor from the platform. She hit the floor. I said, well, if she's faking it, that's going to hurt. <laughs> Landed on her head. Boom. People are just falling all over. You know, I didn't realize it or I didn't make the connection. I didn't make the connection then. But years later, when I was looking at this from 2 Corinthians chapter 8, God spoke to me and said, do you see that? That was, that was brought about because those people, those kids, gave. They opened the floodgates through their giving. Amen. It, there, is, there is a connection. I feel something tr- shifting in this room. There is a connection between money and spiritual blessings. And I'm not saying you can buy them. But it has something to do with your heart. Something shifts inside of your heart when you let go of stuff. Say, God, I'm going to let this go. I've hung on to this. I'm letting it go. Every month I release this tithe to you because I say, you are my source. You are my source. You are the one that gives me all good things to enjoy. You are the one. And I'm acknowledging that by giving this tithe. And then speaking over my finances. Saying, I, I live in abundance. He gives us all good things to enjoy. I live in abundance. Amen? I'm generous. I'm equipped to give to every good work. You, you have a need, I, I can give to that. I can give to that. I can impact people's lives through my giving because I've been blessed. If you haven't been blessed financially, then it's hard to help other people. Isn't that true? Let's just lift our hands one time. I know I took a long time there. Lord, thank you right now, God. We just thank you, Lord. We just thank you for revelation, Lord. We just thank you for revelation, Lord. We don't want to think like Gentiles think or heathens think about money. We want to think your thoughts about it, Lord. We want to have the mind of Christ concerning giving and receiving, tithing. We just want to have your mindset, Lord. We just pray for an expansion to take place right now, Lord. We just thank you for expansion, expanding our thinking, Lord. Hallelujah. I thank you, Lord, for the spirit of wisdom and and revelation to invade our hearts and minds now in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Give us, Lord, what we touch. Lord, let it it put our hands to, let it prosper, Lord. Hallelujah. No lack, Lord, Lord. You said you are our shepherd. We shall not want for any good thing, Lord. Hallelujah. You provide abundantly. You're a good father. You care about us. You provide abundantly for us. Hallelujah. We thank you, Lord, for increase in this church, Lord. Increase in these people's lives. We just pray right now that the Spirit of God would blow on every work of our hands, Lord. Hallelujah. That new opportunities would come. Raises, bonuses, Lord. New ways, financial streams, Lord, would come into our lives. We pray. Hallelujah. In the name of Jesus Christ. Thank you, God, for it. Let's sing this song.
just want to worship, to lift my hands to you, fully present in this moment, fully given to you. Oh, and I just want to worship, it's all I This I have been made, locked in your embrace, covered in your majesty. And here I have no need, I am fully free, and everything as it should be. With this I have been made, locked in your embrace, covered in your majesty. It's all I want to do, would you fully inhabit the song I sing to you? Who oh, I just want to worship, lift my hands to you, fully present in this moment, fully given to you. Oh, we worship you, we worship you. We worship you, we worship you, Jesus. Oh, we worship you. We adore you, we adore you. We adore you. We love you, 
You know, I had this picture in my mind where we were worshiping. You know, I believe that God wants to release incredible resources into some of your lives. You know, this is the picture that I had, is where you're at right now, the pre your present place right now, is not what God intended. It's because of unbelief, or making some bad decision along the way, you put yourself. Sometimes we think that God ordains everything. He doesn't ordain everything. I mean, there is a devil who interferes with God and interferes with the plan of God. And sometimes we cooperate, we make peace with the devil about over things. How many of that's true? Well, I've made peace. I've had people tell me crazy things that they have peace about. I'm going, you made peace with the devil, buddy. You didn't make peace with God on that deal. I had a guy tell me one time he's leaving his wife to marry somebody else. And he goes, I have peace about it. I said, you made peace with the devil. You didn't make peace with God. That's not God. And sometimes we do that unknowingly. We make peace with the wrong thing. And God wants us to make peace with him on all these different issues. He wants us to settle it today. Because I just believe that God, I want you to close your eyes just for a minute. I, I want to pray for you, but I want to pray specifically for some people, um, how many here in this place, you, you feel like I'm supposed to, you feel like this, I'm supposed to manage large sums of money for the kingdom. Put your hand up if that's you. I'm supposed to manage large sums. You feel that in your spirit. You feel that. I agree with a lot of you that raise your hand. I agree with you. You're, you're supposed to, I agree with you. You're supposed to manage large sums of, think what I'm saying, manage large sums of money for the kingdom. 
But remember, money is a test. Money's a test. Now, I'm going to ask God to speak to you about what you need to do to adjust where you're at so that there can be a release of finances. I don't know what you need to do, but God does. So, Lord, right now, I just pray that you, by your Holy Spirit, you'd speak. I know that we're not all where you intended for us to be. We, we, we've been in unbelief. We've made some side journeys here and there along the way. But thank God you've never given up on us. And Lord, we repent for every, the sin of unbelief, sin of not trusting you completely. And Lord, right now we ask you to speak to us. Right now, open up what you want us to do. Make it so clear to us. Make it plain to us, Lord, what you want us to do. And Lord, as we, as we obey, I speak a tremendous release of finances into their lives. Kingdom finances. Finances to, to, to advance the kingdom of God in the earth. Hallelujah. To build orphanages, build wells, build churches all over the world. Hallelujah. All over the world, every nation. You are invading every nation, Lord. They need churches. They need preachers that are sent, Lord. Hallelujah. They need to be, there need to be preachers sent. It costs money for them to go. They need to be supported, Lord. Kingdom resources. We release kingdom resources into this place right now in the name of Jesus Christ. We break the curse of poverty and lack right now. In Jesus' name, we release kingdom resources now. Go, ministry spirits, and cause the money to come in Jesus' name. Cause resources to come. Hallelujah. Thank you for open doors, Lord. Open doors. Heavenly open doors of abundance, Lord. Your abundance. There'll be no longer any fear, but we will go forth in boldness and strength and in confidence and in faith. Hallelujah. In the name of Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. No more lack. No more lack. No more lack. No more shortage. In the name of Jesus. Abundance. Abundance. Hallelujah. Thank you for your abundance. Anybody agree with that? Say amen. 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 I agree with that. Praise God. Well, the prayer counselors, if you could come forward. If you need prayer for anything, Gina, if you need prayer for anything, please come. As soon as I dismiss, we have some fellowship in the back, some food and uh, some healthy food back there. I'm sure it's all healthy. We want you to join us in the back down the hallway there and partake with us of some food and drink and uh, non-alcoholic drink and, and, uh, and good fellowship. Amen. Well, you're, it's so great to be with you today. It, it's awesome. But if you need prayer, please come forward. God bless you all. You're free to go. We'll see you again. And I want you to know that he can give you today a new future. We hope this message has been a blessing to your life. A copy of this message and additional Destiny Church materials are available at destinychurchexit77.org.